0: If you will, open up your Bible to Acts the 10th chapter and uh, we're going to begin. And today we're going to call this message called We're All Present. And uh, Acts the 10th chapter uh, is the first uh, book really of the church. Uh, The church had just gotten started. If you so if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and get one if I didn't make it clear enough. But, or if you have it on your phone or whatever. But it's worth looking and seeing what's in the Bible. I think sometimes people don't realize there's power in this book if you tap into it. And it is a reality. And you can get so thrilled about this book and it would seem so foolish to the rest of the world. They'd look at you and think, you're a nut. And maybe we are. But at least, like one man said, we're screwed onto the right bolt. And uh, that's Jesus. And we know where we're going, and we know what we have, and we want others to know too. But in this series, what I'm going to do is look through the book of Acts. Because if we do what they did, could we get the results they get? And that would be an interesting thought. And so we're going to do that, and we're going to look here in the 44th verse. It says this. Acts 10:44 While Peter was still speaking these words now we know in the context these were biblical words they were bible words they were called the words of this life and while he was still speaking these words it said the holy spirit fell upon all those who heard the word now i know this whether a person knows the lord or not they know there are spirits They know there are different places you go, things that happen, and there is a presence to some things. And you don't have to know the Lord, you don't have to, you could just somewhat be spiritually perceptive and recognize, man, there is evil stuff, and then there is something good too. And here it says the Holy Spirit. So that should tell us something about God. He's called the Holy Spirit. Spirit, fell upon all those who heard the word. Well, that would have been an interesting time. They're there to hear uh, these truths, and then the Holy Spirit started moving on them and started doing a work in them, and the work became tremendous. And those of the circumcision, which means the Jews, and the others were non-Jews, who believed, were astonished As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, meaning on the non-Jews. So you get this picture here, Peter, this guy who uh, most people know Peter because of bumper stickers. If you don't go to church, you see a bumper sticker that says, if you feel like you're perfect, try walking on water. Well, we know Peter was the one who started walking on water and then sunk And, you know, people think, you know, all kinds of things about Peter. But Peter is well known. This is that same Peter. He's here preaching. He's sharing Bible truth. And the Spirit of God starts moving on these people who are non-Jewish people. This was unheard of. And he actually didn't come to this meeting by himself. Because it wouldn't have looked good if he showed up by himself and he had to go back and report to the church. Because these are people that are considered unclean. And here he is preaching and God starts moving on him. All the people that are with him are amazed going, wow, God is moving. And not only is God moving, God has given them the same gift that we received. What an amazing thing. And so it says... For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. In other words, the Spirit so moved on them, they began to speak in what the Bible calls some kind of heavenly language. So they're sitting there, and they're blown away. These are people who know nothing. And God has so moved on them, I mean, it would be a radical experience. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, or he responded when he saw this. Can can anybody uh, forbid water that these should be baptized who have already received the Holy Spirit just as we have? What an interesting thing. Human beings can receive the Holy Spirit. Human beings can have God's Spirit in them. That would tell me a lot. If you receive the Spirit, or they did, then that means not everybody was filled or had the same Spirit. And I know today, you know, you talk about people, and there's a lot of catchphrases, and people say, they're just of another Spirit. And that doesn't always mean, that just means they have a different attitude, a different way. But the way the Bible talks about it is, people can have God's Spirit come live in them. Now that would be amazing. And it is, and others will think you're a nut. But it doesn't matter. It's reality. I remember when I didn't know the Lord, and uh, you know, I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for. Had a good job doing different things, and and I used to think I've got. If you check all the boxes, uh, I've got everything you're supposed to have, but something is missing. And I remember a friend of mine who worked with me, we were uh, estimators, we read blueprints, you know, did takeoffs for commercial buildings. And one day we were driving together and he said, uh, and I knew him before he knew the Lord, and he said to me, what would happen if you died today? Where would you go? And I thought to myself, I don't need to hear this. This is, no. No. And I remember turning out the window, and what's so wild, I was born and raised in Southern California. I can still picture on the five freeway in Orange County where I was looking. I mean, it burned something in me. And I remember kind of just shrugging him off and going, thank you very much. But I was kind. I didn't say anything. He was my boss, sort of. (laughs) So you just... Go Okay, and I remember turning my head and but that did something I thought I'm missing something in life and that began to eat at me I mean, it was so different and I remember, you know him trying to witness to me and he was barely knew the Lord I mean, he had just come to know the Lord. I knew him before when he sold cocaine and Now he's just radically different. And He's trying to tell me he wasn't perfect, but he was doing his best I remember we were in a gas station right after this. And he told me about the Lord because he just wanted me to know the Lord. And I didn't, wasn't getting it. But I was like, and I remember somebody honked at us, so he turned around and shook his fist and cussed at him. And then he went, oh, oh, Lord, forgive me. And he started like praying out loud. I'm trying to win him. And I'm watching his prayer meeting in the <laughs> car. But to me, I lived in the world, so I cussed all the time, so I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, what's the big deal? But he had, And he was that way before, but there was such a radical change in him, it was starting to drive him from the inside out. And he cared enough to tell me about it. And, and here, uh, they were amazed, and he said, well, since they've received, you know, let's get them baptized. And so verse 48 says, because they received this gift and i'll tell you what anybody who receives this gift something starts working from the inside out you can't explain it somebody you know you get all kinds of questions i had all kinds of questions after i gave my life to the lord how do you know what about this what about that and i'd be like i don't know the answers but i knew i had something it's kind of like the person who says prove to me god's real Well, I know he's real. I I experience him like big time. He deals with me literally. And he does to all the people who give their life to him. And so how can you prove it? You have to enter in by faith. Then the reality comes and he will revolutionize a person from the inside out. And it's not a ton of works. I mean, I went from one day being on drugs and drinking and being an alcoholic you know, and having a good career uh, to, and cussing and carrying on to the next day. Nobody told me to quit. It was so radical. I wouldn't even tell people for days because I said, well, this won't last. 1985. <laughs> this won't last. This can't last. Anyway, verse 48. Uh, so if you're wondering if it lasted, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Isn't it wild? They they wanted more of what they were experiencing. And so, you know, as we look at this, you know, the title is We're All Present. And I know Christians can focus on the spectacular and miss the supernatural because they're waiting for something spectacular to happen. And they can miss out on the whole thing. And I know people, and myself too, have looked at these verses, studied these verses, and thought, that's what we need today. How many think that would be cool? Just preaching, boom, power of God falls on all the people who heard. They all get filled with the Spirit. I mean, they're so changed. They're like, we want to hear more preaching. Some people who come to hear preaching are, you know, for the first time or hear the word of God. They're like, when can we get out of here? But once you receive eternal life, it's a different program. It is a different program. You're so hungry, you'll be part of that verse. We need to hear some more. Are you with me? And so, I wanted to see, you know, this happen. And, and I thought, you know, if it happens, this probably will be just some God thing that just if you show up on the right Sunday, this is it. You never know. It could be the day that this happens. How many of you want to be there on that day? You know, that this happens. We're just poured out. Well, I want to be there, but maybe we ought to not look at the end result, but look at what it took to get the result. You know, like like, you know, most people's favorite verse for people who don't walk with the Lord is they don't know any other verses except for Jesus turned water into wine. That's the verse. Well, Jesus, you know, turned water into wine. Well, they look at the end result. But even that miracle of the water into wine was not just Jesus walking around going like this on glasses of water. Water to wine, water to wine. Water to wine, there's some... Oh, you need some water to wine? There you go. No, what he did was, was, there was a lot of human activity involved in it if you go back and look. It would have never happened unless humans would have cooperated with his commands. And so we're going to... In this series, dissect uh, these types of stories that are in the Bible where we look and see something and think, "Wow, I guess we just kind of pray and wait for this." And somebody might say, "I've been praying a long time for this." Notice this in Acts 10:1. Let's look at this story. Let's dissect it, so to speak. Verse one says, "There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion. So, you know, if you read, you know, I remember the first time I read this after I got saved, my mind wasn't quite renewed. The only Cornelius I knew was on the planet of the apes. And I was like, okay, that's not the same Cornelius, and he's a centurion. And I'm like, well, what's a centurion? Basically, a centurion would be like today, like, let's say, a sergeant or somebody in the military. He, a centurion meant he was over hundred soldiers. And so he, he, he had some rank. He, he had, you know, some authority. And so there was this centurion or this military guy with some rank uh, of what is called the Italian regiment. Because remember, Rome ruled the world back then, or at least a chunk of it. And it says, he was a devout man and one who feared God. In other words, he had some religious ideas. He was what people would call a spiritual man today. He, 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 he believed in God. He, he believed there was some God. And, and he even backed it up by some actions. It says, He believed God or feared God with his whole household and gave alms generously. You know, in other words, he gave to people and gave to the poor. And he prayed to God always. You know, we live in a generation where I think there's a lot of people who have their own viewpoint of God. uh, And they have, and I would say it like this, they have some of the elements of Cornelius. You can see it in our society huge today. And I believe what it is, is it's, it's a devoid something that's there in humanity, and they're trying to connect. And, and I'll explain what I mean. Meaning, we live in a society today, you know, if you ever watch Shark Tank, since we're talking about fish again. And, um, but do you ever go on there, you know, or you go to different websites for different projects? One thing about this younger generation, uh, and it's so wild to me, is they want to give. So they'll go like, yeah, and we're going to give to this, and we're going to support this, and we're, they're, they're wanting to give. You know, I, I remember seeing one episode where somebody wanted to make a deal with one of the main guys on Shark Tank, and he's like, the lady said, well, wait a minute, before we do it, are you willing to give this toward this thing? I thought, wow, what a different generation. But people are willing to give. Now, they might get upset with you about giving to the Lord. But they'll give to anything. I believe it's something in humanity. And it's the way we're created. And so here, this guy was one who prayed. You know, I've met people who really don't know Jesus, but they pray, they believe God's out there. And he prayed to God always. Verse 3 says, And about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, man, isn't it cool God knows where you live and he knows your name. And it doesn't matter who it is. He knows your neighbor's name. He knows your name. He knows where you are, wherever and whenever you're there. And verse four said, and when he observed him, he was afraid And said, what is it, Lord? So he said, your prayers and your alms, uh, this giving, has come up as a memorial before God. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. This is the first thing about this miracle. One individual has some type of encounter with God. Now we're talking about we're all present. How did all these people have this massive experience? Because there was a bunch of them there. In the verses we read, but it really started with one person who had some kind of encounter with God, and he told him where to come and who to come to to connect with so he could hear the truth. And so it was one person, didn't even really know the Lord, but he started to have some kind of encounter. Now let's skip down to verse 24. I think this part is amazing. Because if we want to see some of these things again, the question would be asked, is it possible? Does it happen today? What does it take to happen? You know, if you've ever read some leadership books or things like that, there's an old saying that says, you know, on the ladder of life, you know, and the ladder to success, you know, as you climb to the top, one thing you must realize when you get to the top, did I end up on the right building? Because some people are trying to climb the ladder of success, and they're not even on the right building. But they're climbing. And they're climbing. And we as Christians can be trying to get 44 through 80, 48 results, but we're climbing the wrong ladder or the right ladder up the wrong building. And then we never come to the end result that we wanted, but because we're so dedicated to the Lord, we'll just keep climbing up the ladder. I mean, not us, but other churches. No. <laughs> We can all be in the same boat. Are you with me? And so we don't want to climb up the wrong ladder, get to the top of the building, you know, thinking we've done a work our whole life that we, and we missed it and uh, now we're done. That would be huge. I don't want to get to the end of the life and go, look at all the work I did for you, Lord. And he's like, you were climbing the wrong building. Now, he's going to accept us because we've received life, but notice this in verse 24. And the following day, so he's commanded, you go send people to get this guy, Peter. So he sends some servants, but he does something else, verse 24. And the following day, they entered... Caesarea. Now this is actually a few days later. They're journeying. Peter is there with this Cornelius guy's servants. And they are. They, Peter has had this experience. And so they're going to come to this guy Cornelius's house to tell Cornelius. And it says on the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He cl- called together his relatives and his close friends. There's the first clue to this miracle. How in the world was there a crowd there? You know, I think sometimes when we read it, we go, wow, it was so supernatural all this that happened. And we think, man, oh, how God moved. And we're just waiting for him to move. You know? Like the, the farmer who's praying for a harvest. Lord, just bring in the harvest. And the harvest is out in the field. And we know you can pray about it, but you got to get out there. Or that harvest will die and the grain will be wasted. And all the provision and all of it, it's gone for good. Other things come and eat it. But he was dedicated to praying, Mr. Farmer was. But notice, his relatives and close friends, people he knew, he had this experience. Well, Peter's coming. This is during the week. He's like, you guys need to come. Close friends, relatives, people he knew. Verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted up his voice saying, stand up. I myself am a man. In other words, don't look to me. I'm a human. And as he talked with him, he went in. So Peter hasn't seen the work that Cornelius has put in. He's coming to talk to Cornelius as far as he knows. But Cornelius has been out telling his friends, telling his relatives, and not just telling them, he's bringing them. And and you got to think about it. If you really look at the story, none of his friends had had an experience. None of them had had an encounter with the Lord. None of them personally knew, you know, whether Cornelius had some experience. But he said, listen, you come. There is somebody coming who's going to tell us. I don't know if he expected to have happen what happened. He just knew, I've got to get these people here. So he worked on bringing his close friends and his relatives. And it says here, verse 28, Then he said to them, Well, let me back up to 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. This is the first thing that we're noticing is the way this miracle really worked and this profound thing happened was not just because the wind of God blew the people in. We've been praying. And here's the thing. People who are familiar with God doing wonderful things uh, can have a wrong approach sometimes, and we need to be careful. There's a famous world missionary, I guess you'd call him, or world evangelist named T.L. Osborne. He died a number of years back, but he used to do these mass crusades all over the world, and there would be hundreds of thousands of people and he would see all kinds of miracles. And then and people would reach out and bring people. And loads of people would give their life to the Lord. He made this statement. He said, I'm afraid that Christians have often made God their butler. And said, go bring the people in, Lord, while we sit here and are blessed. And he said, the problem with that is... Is we are actually to be the servants of the Lord. And he commanded us to go reach people. So they could come to know him. And what happens is. Sometimes people have sat down and said. It's such a blessing. And what happens is. They're waiting for 44 to happen. And they don't realize they have a part to play. In verse 44, 45 and so on. And so. He found, notice, many people come together. Verse 33. So he sent you immediately. He's continuing on with the story, explaining how he sent people, you know, how God appeared to him. Cornelius is telling Peter. And then he said, you know, how he sent you. And it says, so I sent to you immediately, in verse 33, and you have done well to come. Now therefore... We are all present. We are all present. That's where I get the message title from. We are all present. Before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. What a tremendous thing. We are all present. How did they become present at that place? Did they accidentally come? Was it a miracle that they came? Or was it a practical step that the people came? And in that practical step, all of a sudden, man, here it is. We start to see a message. We see a guy get up named Peter and who had traveled with the Lord, who had a real personal experience with the Lord. He got up and started saying, Jesus Christ, the one I traveled with, the power of God was on him when he was on the earth because the Spirit of God was upon him. These people didn't even know the Spirit of God was going to come upon them and come in them. And he said, the same Jesus that I walked with and lived with, he went around preaching and healing and delivering people and great things happened. Then he was taken and he was killed by designing men. But really, God used it to ransom humanity and he died and he rose again from the dead. And He is now the Savior and the only way in the world to get to know God and to make it to God. And while He was preaching this, all those who heard. Isn't it interesting? All those who heard. Who are these all who heard? They were all those who were brought. They were brought by a dedicated Cornelius, willing. And it's interesting, the only ones who experienced this miracle were the ones who were brought. As a matter of fact, God worked so much in their lives, you know, I mean, that they were blown away. And you can read how their lives are changed. I mean, could you imagine you come to church and you don't know that God could come and live in you? I wonder if they sat there and thought, this is strange, but I believe this, what they couldn't see was the Spirit of God moving, who actually moved upon them, and then they opened up their heart to him. I think sometimes if we don't see how miracles work, we get the wrong idea. Turn to 2 Kings, we're going to look at like one or two verses, and then close, but 2 Kings, an interesting story here about A miracle and a tremendous miracle. And I think sometimes, if we're not careful, when we look at the miracles of the Bible, we think it's all about God. That if a miracle is going to happen, what you do is you just sit back and you know, you pull down the thing, you know, like you're getting in a roller coaster, brace yourself, put on your seatbelt, and it will be all God performing the miracle. But it's interesting because the Bible said that he works together with us. He doesn't work for us, and we don't work for him. We work together. Are you with me? So notice this, 2 Kings 4 verse 2. Elijah was this prophet back in the Old Testament. God used him miraculously. But it's interesting, he knew this person, this person had lost their spouse, the debtors are coming, they're going to basically take the kids. You know, I mean, that's how they did it. There was no filing for bankruptcy back then. I mean, I know there's some parents that would think, oh, cool, go ahead. You know, just, just take the kid. And, uh... But that's not... What God wanted. And it's interesting because if you really study the miracles of the Bible, more than not, the miracles took human cooperation. They did. They took human cooperation. Notice this. So Elijah, he's this prophet, said to her, What do you have? She's in trouble. She's indebted. And he said, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. That's all I've got. And then it says in verse 3, Then he said to her, go borrow vessels from everywhere. Everywhere. Go get vessels. Isn't it interesting the Bible says, Calls humans vessels. You know, and even people still today have, because of the Christian influence on our country, still talk about this is my vessel. You don't hear it as much as you used to, but it's interesting. He said, Go borrow vessels, go get as many as you can from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Isn't it interesting that this kind of sounds like what Cornelius did by getting humans, neighbors, friends, relatives, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. That is a huge statement. Because sometimes people are not empty vessels. Some people come and they're full of all kinds of stuff, And they come and they don't have any room to receive anything else. But, you know, when people really recognize there is space in their life for God and that they need something, it's a good place to be. And notice this. Get empty vessels and do not gather just a few. Don't just get one. If you want this miracle to be something, just don't get one or two. Get many. Verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you. This is why we close the doors. No. Helps the air conditioning. He said, shut the door behind you and with your sons. Then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. This is an amazing miracle, but notice how much people might think it was God, but how much cooperation the human had to be, the human element. He said, so they went from him, shut the door. I mean, the prophet's not even there. Shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. She just kept pouring. One after the other, after the other. Then, verse six, and it said, It came to pass when the vessels were full, and it seems she didn't know, but then she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. Bring me another vessel. I wonder if that's the cry of God to humans. Bring me another vessel. Bring me another vessel, one that I can fill, one that I can do something with. And this was the children's or the son's response, one of them. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. The miracle stopped. It was over because there were no more vessels. What if they had brought five more vessels? What if they had brought ten more vessels? What if they had brought a thousand vessels? What if they had brought no vessels? There would have had been no miracle. None. But think about it. That widow could have said, I'll tell you what, God, I'm mad at you not meeting my need. You know I'm a widow. I heard the preacher preach. But if you realize she heard the preacher proclaim something, but then it all became on her, she had the ability to have a miracle on her own level. I mean, could you imagine if she had said, uh, We're still not pouring today, you keep going, you keep getting more vessels, you keep getting more vessels. Mom, we've been all over town. Go to the junkyard. Go to the dump. Just find empty ones. This is all we could have. Could you imagine? She could have had a whole house. She could end up being one of the richest ladies in town because she took this and turned around and sold it. But if you think about it, God wasn't opposed to her being blessed, but she had a part to play. She could have shook her fist at God and said, why have you not filled me? Because maybe she was too busy. Maybe the kids were too busy playing in the yard, playing video games to get vessels. Doing their own thing. Didn't know that they could have had a miracle if they had cooperated. And you think about it, the only reason Cornelius had a miracle is a similar thing to this right here. It's, It's an amazing thing. And you know what I find interesting is he tells you how to do it. And each one of the miracles as we look through the Bible in the book of Acts to see how these types of miracles took place, it's interesting who they targeted. This one was people that, that were close to them that they knew. Maybe a coworker, somebody you've come to know. Here's the interesting thing. In this story that we read about Cornelius, he didn't just go get the person off the street corner and bring them. Have you ever tried to bring somebody off the street corner? Have you ever seen a street preacher? Have you ever seen them just winning people to the Lord constantly? I'm not knocking it, but I think the numbers are fewer in the age where we live. And so I think he put those things in there so we could be wise. Are you with me? That, you know, you can only catch the fish where your hook is. I mean, if you read a fishing magazine and you're like, oh man, they're catching like tuna the, off the boats in San Diego or marlin. Let's go to Saguaro Lake. <laughs> you're not catching any of those. You just aren't. You are not catching a marlin. You're, I mean, you might catch a catfish, but you are not getting it. Let's look at this verse before we close. Matthew 24. You know, we, we live, I believe, from the Bible in the last of the last days. Whether people know it or not, I think people become fascinated by, With these truths that Jesus taught. That are amazing to me. He told us what it would look like. Before he would come back. He said there would be pestilence. Famines. There would be plagues. There would be like pandemics. There would be natural disasters. He said it would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. He said it would be like. Noah's day where everybody just drank and drank and drank and just thought nothing of it and partied. It's not to condemn anybody. It's just kind of when you see the, the thing going there, you know. And he made some things that, that uh, are amazing, some statements. He said Israel would come back into their land. That happened in forty seven. Then in 67, they took more land. Then it says, then Jerusalem will be, and Jesus said this 2,000 years ago, will be trodden underfoot until the time the Gentiles are fulfilled. And do you know that now Jerusalem, uh, as of two years ago, is considered the capital no longer is it a different area in Israel, and you can just go through scripture after scripture. There are some nuts scriptures that would make you go, "What?" You know, the Bible told us that a certain river that comes uh, through into the salt and sea, or a water, you know, area that's full of salt, and or the Dead Sea. I'm see, sorry, Salt and Seas over here, the Dead Sea would have fish that would come back into it because it's the Dead Sea on purpose. No fish live in it. Do you know like three years ago, uh, these freshwater pockets started bubbling up in the Dead Sea and it made freshwater pockets. And now for the first time ever, fish have found their way up that river, and it's mentioned, or in that tributary and into that lake or sea. He said that 2,000 years ago. And he goes through and tells all these different things that would happen. He talks about a war that would happen. He names the countries. They're aligning right now. It's amazing. It's like reading a newspaper that hasn't been published yet. He said Russia would come. Turkey would come. They were our allies until three or four years ago. Now they're working with Russia. He said Iran would come against Uh, Israel, it says Damascus, Syria, would be laid waste and not be a city. And where are all the refugees coming from that are all over in Europe that are causing major problems? They're being driven out of Syria right now, and the country is being torn apart. ISIS was there. It's amazing the Bible talked about this, that it would happen at the end of time. And I think a lot of people get fascinated by these things. But we're going to close with this verse. Here is one sign that has to happen in the end too. But it takes human participation. Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness To all nations, which means people groups, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. Then the end will come. I wonder if we have gotten our focus too much on the plagues, the perils that are coming on the world. That people, the Bible said, would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They would. It says at the end of time, people would prefer uh, not to love God above all things, but they would look to for personal pleasure. And children would be disobedient to parents, and and it talks about they'd become headstrong, and and it starts naming all these things. I mean, in a, in a generation, we've gone from. You know, TV shows from, you know, Leave It to Beaver and all this stuff. And shows where a man and wife cannot, even if they're really married like I Love Lucy, they can't be in the same bed to The Simpsons uh, that teach children to be disobedient and disrespectful to their parents. Now somebody said, now this guy is just old-fashioned. Well, I'll be as old-fashioned as long as it lines up with God. But I'll promise you this, I'm not old-fashioned. I'm actually a forerunner to the way it will be for eternity. I'm not old-fashioned. I'm connected to what's coming. And the Bible is. And this interesting thing about this, when he said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached. So then that means... One of the great things that the believers, because we can't make earthquakes and volcanoes and natural disasters happen. We're just going to watch them happen. We can't make people do these different things. We can't make wars and rumors of wars. We can't make pandemics, you know, like it talks about. I mean, it talks about these things happening. We can't make any of those. We can't create those. They just happen. We can't speed it up. We who we couldn't get Israel to get their land back. Jesus prophesied they'd be removed, then they'd be brought back. We can't do that. But this is one we are to participate in. This is one. So really, he said, basically you could say this, there will be an evangelistic thrust. What do you mean evangelistic? People telling people and reaching people. Why? Because God doesn't want to come back until they all have had a chance. Now, whether they accept or not is up to them. He still loves them, but it falls back on them. So if people are looking for signs of the times, this is probably one we should target. That's probably one of the ones we should realize and go... Hey, that sign right there, and I believe this, if people don't participate in it, life will get so miserable, they'll participate in it. Do you know what I mean? In other words, the signs will become so blatant, people will go, hey, you need to know. But it's real interesting. And I know this, so that's why, you know, that, that God wants everybody saved. He cares enough for them that he did something for me, and maybe for you, you were like this where you didn't know what you got into when you gave your life to the Lord. But once you gave your life to the Lord, you realize, man, I received something beyond. God's just looking for empty vessels who will say, I want the Lord in my life, but those empty vessels have to be brought and told. The miracle was really this. They were brought and then they were taught and then it became on them.